The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So for this week, we are in, uh, looking at the theme of what it means to actually practice, be mindful, explore, cultivating the quality of mindfulness right in the midst of our daily activities. So we often emphasize culti- cultivating mindfulness in a sitting position with our eyes closed. But, you know, if that's how we uh, are most familiar with being mindful then a lot of our day is off limits to being mindful. And so I'd like to work with you this week to explore the possibility of cultivating this quality of mindfulness right in the midst of whatever you're doing. Driving, or cooking, or at work, working on the computer, or um, taking a walk, or talking to a friend. All of these places, it's possible to bring mindfulness into our everyday activities. And so that's the emphasis for this week. And today I'll I'll offer a few tools, let's say some tools to support you um, exploring that, exploring the possibility of mindfulness in daily activities. And then during the week, we'll meet... Morning and evening, I think most of you know the schedule, we'll meet 7.30 to 9 in the morning and 7.30 to 9 in the evening um, to have a discussion, to explore together what you're noticing, how it's working for you. As as you describe your experience, first of all, it it creates a kind of a community. We, We recognize, oh, other people are out there trying to do this too. That's helpful. It's helpful to just recognize you're in a sangha that's supporting your practice. And um, it also gives me the opportunity to listen to what you're doing and perhaps make some suggestions about things you might uh, explore or things you might not be noticing. So those two sides of of, um, hearing how other people are working in daily life, the support we get from Sangha, and the opportunity to share your practice and have some, um, some suggestions about working with that in daily life. So the, um, the morning and evening sessions are available for you to come to as it works for your schedule. Um, I don't demand that everybody attend every morning and every evening. Um, I know that it's, you, you have full lives and it's probably not possible for some of you to do that. Uh, I would like to encourage you to come to as many as you can. Um, yeah. Okay, so that's a, different, that's a different format of retreat. Yeah, so this being here in this larger room, we were in the smaller room there, in this larger room, um, the mornings and the evenings are both available. And I actually like to encourage people as much as possible to come to both because it creates the conditions for surrounding your, your day with practice and with sangha, with community. So, um, and then Monday and Thursday evenings, I'll be giving the Dharma talk. It will be kind of a stealth daily life practice retreat because everybody, everybody else will be here too. But I'll give, a t- I'll give a talk on the topic, a topic which is relevant to, to practice in daily life for Monday and Thursday evenings. So you're welcome to come 
as you can. And I'd like to encourage you to come as much as you can. People who have done this as a, a full retreat in the past, where coming every morning, every evening, have described and reported just how helpful it's been to their um, exploration of what it means to become aware, wake up in the midst of daily life. So I'd like to encourage that. But again, I recognize that it's not always possible. And then we'll end our day, our, our week, with the, uh, a day long on, on Saturday. And everybody in the community is welcome to attend that day long. But I will have a kind of a closing session with the group that has attended the retreat in the afternoon on that day. So uh, are there any questions about the kind of schedule? Anything? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yes, yes. We start with the sit. <laughs> we start with the sit. We usually do about a half hour sit and then have an hour for discussion. And, you know, sometimes at the beginning or in the middle, actually, even, I, I will hear something or something will have come up from the day before and I may give a 10 or 15 minute little Dharma talk at the beginning of that hour. So, you know, it's not that the, the structure is flexible depending on what's happening with the group. Um, Yes, yeah, so a sitting every morning, every evening. Um, oh, one thing about this, at least today, we are recording the day. I don't tend to record the, um, the time during the week because it is primarily sharing. And sometimes people feel um, uh, like they can't share as easily when they're knowing it, they know it's being recorded for the internet. So... Um, so the Monday, the, mo- the Monday through Friday morning and evening sessions will not be recorded, just so you know that. Um, we will be using the mics, though, uh, as usual with all events in this uh, community. Um, we use the mics not only for recording, but also to support those um, people who may need to use hearing-assisted devices or others who, who it's supportive to have the sound amplified for hearing. And so... I'd like to just give a little demonstration. I think most of you know this, but give a little demonstration about the most effective way to use these mics. Since we have so much discussion in this group, I like to show this. So it's helpful if you talk this way. That actually sounds like it's not not terribly amplified, so it's the green one. And you you have to hold it kind of close to your mouth like this. Oh, there we go. That's good. So hold it kind of close to your mouth like this. Uh, and like, talking into the top of it, think karaoke, you know, karaoke singing. If you hold it this way, it doesn't amplify quite as well. So this way is, is better. So, you know, and, and if you're doing this, it's not going to work at all. So, so it's a mindfulness practice to hold the mics. <laughs> Um, check-in, how many of you are planning to do this week as a retreat? I mean, I offered this day just as standalone. Um, Okay, great. So we'll have a a group of us during the mornings and evenings during the week. I offer this day as standalone if you just want to come and um, learn some of the tools. Um, 
So since it is a retreat from my standpoint, and um, for those of you who are looking at this as a retreat, I like to begin a retreat the way we begin residential retreats, which is in exploring the container that we create together as a community. We create a container together that, in which we're oriented towards the teachings, the practices that the Buddha offered, and we're oriented towards sharing in community. And so this, uh, this kind of form of a retreat, it's supportive to have us all acknowledge kind of together that this is what we're doing together this week. And so the, the form for doing this in uh, our retreats is to take the refuges and the precepts together. The refuges are a kind of a statement of an orientation of what we're going to be doing together this week. We're going to be exploring the teachings of the Buddha and the practices that were taught in the, the, the Dharma teachings that he, that he taught. And in community, in Sangha, we're going to be exploring this. And so the a taking refuge is a way of acknowledging this orientation together that we are aligning ourselves with the values of the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha in our time together. And so that's a simple way of exploring what it means to take refuge. Taking refuge itself, um, the word refuge means kind of a place of safety. And so we want to create a container of safety together in this community. So the, uh, the container of safety, first of all, is the container of orienting towards the teachings and the community. And it is also orienting towards non-harming. That we step into this community together with a, an attitude of respect and care for the community. And the traditional way of exploring or expressing non-harming in our community is to take the five precepts together, the five precepts of refraining from taking life, refraining from taking what is not given, refraining from sexual misconduct, refraining from false speech, and refraining from intoxicants. So the, um, you know, the, the, these precepts, you know, when we look at like the first the first two, for example, you know, refraining from taking life and refraining from taking what is not given. Basically refraining from killing and refraining from stealing in the most obvious sense of the words. Um, you know, that's not so much of a stretch for, for us, really. And yet, honoring that, it's not a small thing to commit to that. And appreciating ourselves for committing to that. Because even considered at the most obvious level of those words, refraining from killing and refraining from stealing, even considered at the most obvious level of those words, if everyone in the world abided by those two precepts alone, it would be a completely different place. Completely different world we would live in. And so even just at that level of, of exploring the precepts and committing to the precepts, it's valuable. And honor yourself for that. 
And then there's some subtler levels that we can look at in our practice, such as, you know, looking at whether we might, like, you know, reach up to smash a spider on the wall and having this commitment to not uh, taking life help us perhaps to maybe do something different, like take a bug catcher and put the spider outside instead of killing it. So we can, we can go a little deeper into these precepts as well in our practice together. Um, refraining from sexual misconduct is basically looking at how we um, engage with our sexual energy and to engage in a non-harming way. And this again, you know, in the most obvious way, um, this is, this is, again, not, not something that, you know, the most obvious way of, of harming through sexuality is, you know, raping and um, uh, power around sexuality. And again, that's not going to be so much of an issue here, but then there's some subtler ways, too, that we can use our sexuality. You know, perhaps uh, intimidation, just a subtle intimidation or uh, a subtle kind of uh, manipulation, a subtler kind of manipulation using sexual energy. And so, again, to look at, to look at that in this room together and, and in our lives. And then um, refraining from false speech, Again, you know, the out-and-out lies are uh, less of an issue, although, you know, they can, be, they, can be, they can be issues for us. You know, like telling somebody we're, we're busy when we just don't want to see them or something like that. And so this, this precept around refraining from false speech asks us to look at our motivation, to look at what, uh, what we um, value in our lives, and do we want to speak from those from that value of being honest, truthful? So the um, the precept around not harming through speech, not saying uh, speaking falsehood, can also be expanded, especially in this form, to include the other forms of wise speech from the eightfold path, refraining from harsh speech divisive speech, and idle chatter, at least in this room. You know, that, that we not um, engage in speech that creates division. That's divisive speech. That we not engage in harsh speech, in, in speech that um, has a, a tone of harshness or a, um, the language of harshness. And that we not engage in idle chatter in this community. That we are coming together to practice the Dharma together. And that we can engage in Dharma conversation together. And then refraining from intoxicants. Um, This one, you know, I hear different teachers talk about this in different ways. And some people, some teachers talk about this fifth precept as being refraining from Um, taking intoxication, intoxicants to the point of intoxication. Uh, So, you know, a a glass of wine or a beer uh, may not intoxicate one. And so, you know, some teachers talk about looking at where the point of intoxication is. 
I will ask you to explore this as it makes the most sense for you. Um, for me, um, I found it very useful to take this precept fully. And yet there are occasions when I will have a, a few sips of wine or something. And so, you know, it's, it, I, it's not, it's not a, a, like a firm line. It's not like a should or shouldn't. It's more like, what are the circumstances? What are the conditions? And so, you know, I do take this precept very, very seriously. And I, I rarely drink alcohol. And for myself, I've seen that that practice has been supportive for my meditation. You know, when I, was, when I was, you know, having a glass of wine, even just one glass of wine in the evening, I did this as an experiment, and you can play with this. You might explore this this week. I began looking at, you know, if I'd had, had a glass of wine with dinner, and then I went to uh, meditate that evening, I found the meditation was not nearly as, uh, you know, productive. The mind was kind of wandery and not very precise and... And, and so, the, you know, it was not as, as helpful of a meditation when I had had some wine. And then, not only that, I discovered that my meditations the following morning, even 12 to 14 hours later, were impacted by having had that wine. And so, as I began to value clarity of mind more, I... It, was, it began to be very easy to let go of that glass of wine in the evening. Also, I found that glass of wine in the evening was a support for relaxation. And as I explored meditation, the mind and body just got more naturally relaxed. And so the, the benefit of that wine was not so... It, was, it wasn't as pronounced, let's say. So this is a, an exploration I did over the course of several months around looking at what happens if I drink a glass of wine in the evening and then not drink a glass of wine in the evening. What's the difference? So I encourage you to explore that if that makes sense for you or if it makes sense for you, just see what it means to have a week where you're abstaining from intoxicants. So I I want to, to make it, you know, possible for you to explore this as it makes sense for you. I certainly didn't do a cold turkey like, oh, this precept says I'm supposed to do this, so therefore I won't do that. I did it as an exploration. What does it mean? How, how does it work to, uh, when, I, when I take wine, when I don't take wine, or have a little alcohol or not? What happens? What happens to me? So with all of these precepts, they are what are called um, training rules, really. Sikapadang is the word, uh, the path of training. And so they're not so much hard and fast shoulds or shouldn'ts, but we look at them. I mean, there's certain aspects of, like, you know, refraining from killing living beings, That, you know, even there I, I can see, you know, that there will, be, there will be a negative impact on our system if we kill a living being. There will be some uh, karma to live with, some results of that action to live with if we kill a living being. 
especially if it were a human being. And yet, you know, I can envision a, a situation where there might be either, you know, protecting uh, someone's life or harming someone else's life. How would I choose? You know, I don't know how I would choose in that, in that situation. I would hope that I would be able to, to do something that wouldn't kill a life in order to protect a life. But if it came down to it, I don't know how I would choose there. And so, um, you know, the, I, I think we need to look at a bigger picture. And so the, the precepts, I un- as I understand it, are um, training rules. So we explore them. We don't just adopt them as being shoulds or shouldn'ts, but we explore what does it mean to take on the training rule of refraining from taking life? How does that impact you? What does it mean to take on the training rule of um, refraining from taking what's not given? And as a training rule, there may be times where our old habits and patterns come in. Mindlessly, we see a spider or a mosquito and kill it, and it's like, okay, we notice after the fact. And then we recognize, how has that impacted me to have done that? So this is, a, this is a big piece of our work in daily life, actually. I see that the, the precepts are a, a place of cultivating wholesome and um, beautiful qualities in relationship with each other not only in this room, but in the world. And this is a big part of the, the, what the Buddha explored in, in his teaching. The whole section of the Eightfold Path is devoted to relationship. How to be in relationship and not create harm, not create suffering. And so the whole orientation of the practice is of non-harming, both in relationship and towards ourselves. So we um, explore that with the precepts. So in terms of um, this retreat as a formal retreat, what I like to do is to offer the refuges and precepts. And um, the way this works is that I will chant let's say a line at a time for the refuges in the Pali language. We'll take these the, the refuges in the Pali language. And if you feel comfortable um, chanting back, you know, if not, you're welcome to just sit and listen, um, then responding with each line. So it'll be call and response for the refuges. And then for the precepts, we'll do those in English. And uh, again, it'll be a, a line at a time. I'll I'll say a few words and then you can respond back. So let's take the refuges and the precepts together. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tasa bhagavato Hato Sama Sambuddhasa 
Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. Namo tasa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. For the sake of our practice together, I undertake the training rule to refrain from killing living beings. For the sake of our practice together, I undertake the training rule to refrain from taking that which is not given. For the sake of our practice together, I undertake the training rule to refrain from causing harm with sexuality. For the sake of our practice together, I undertake the training rule to refrain from false speech. For the sake of our practice together, I undertake the training rule to refrain from intoxicants which lead to heedlessness. Thank you for stepping into this container of practice together, of creating this container of safety. So let's take a moment to stretch and then we'll do a half an hour sitting together.